Good morning, everybody. And welcome. The Lord be with you. It's lovely to see everybody here this morning. I think uh, so far we've managed to do things in a fairly seamless, faultless way. And that's largely due to the fact that um, a number of people uh, prepared very thoroughly um, to ensure that the hall would be ready for us today. We're going to be here, as you know, till about the end of August. It will be a slightly different experience, but I'm sure it's one that we will um, um, respond to positively. I want to welcome any visitors, but of course in particular this morning, to welcome our visiting preacher, the Reverend Mark Reed. Mark, is it your first time here? Yes. I'm sorry it's not on the parochial in the parish church, but it's lovely to have you here. We've looked forward to this visit for some weeks when we heard you would be here as a chaplain to the uh, Ministry to Seafarers, a mission to seafarers in Belfast, and we will await keenly um, what you have to say to us a little bit later. There are a few people who've come with you, and I'd like to welcome them also. Um, your wife, Nicola, and I hope I've got these names right. Um, we have Vivek and his wife, uh, uh, Jeannie, and if I've got your name wrong, I apologize humbly. Uh, but um, we look forward later to speaking to you because um, Jeff and Eleanor, who are our valued representatives here in the parish, have arranged a cup of tea or coffee after the service, and that will afford us the opportunity to meet together and, of course, to have a word with you, Mark, as well. Um, we can see almost um, the response in people's eyes. I remember, Mark, when I moved uh, 50 years ago now, horror of all horrors, um, to my first parish up the road in Gilnerhurk. And I'd moved from large parish churches in Bangor and in Hollywood and realized suddenly I could see the response of people sitting around me. The people in St. Columbus are always focused and that'll be no exception this morning. So during the service, let's sing to the best of our ability our hymns. Brian um, will ably lead us. Brian, they're sick and tired of hearing the fact that we're the second division but the second division are aspiring as is a choir to do our best. Now those are all the announcements. I make them deliberately so that we can focus on the worship which is about to begin. Please stand. And again the greeting, the Lord be with you. We worship together and we say, Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear what our Lord Jesus Christ says. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to intercede for us in heaven, and to bring us to eternal life. Let us then confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments and to live in love 
and peace. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned in thought and word and deed and in what we have left undone. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may walk in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy on you. Pardon and deliver you from all your sins. Confirm and strengthen you in all goodness and keep you in eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Please stand. Glory to God in the highest and peace to God's people on earth. Lord God, Heavenly King, Almighty God and Father, we worship you, we give you thanks, we praise you for your glory. Lord Jesus Christ, only Son of the Father, Lord God, Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world, have mercy on us. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, receive our prayer. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. The appointed prayer for this day. Almighty and everlasting God, by whose spirit the whole body of the church is governed and sanctified, hear our prayer which we offer for all your faithful people, that in their vocation and ministry they may serve you in holiness and truth to the glory of your name, through our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We sit for the reading of the epistle. The reader will be Jeff Launchbury. We have heard Paul trying to explain how Christians can say they are free from sin for the service of God, yet still find themselves in a constant battle against sin. Here, he admits this even to himself. How far from perfection is he doing what he should not and not doing what he should? The epistle is from Romans chapter 7, beginning at verse 15. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good, but in fact, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me, that is, in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the laws of God and my inmost self, but I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from the body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, 
With my mind, I am a slave to the law of God, but with my flesh, I am a slave to the law of sin. This is the word of the Lord. Hear the Gospel of our Saviour Christ, according to Luke, chapter 18, beginning to read at verse 31. Glory to you, Jesus Jesus took the twelve aside and told them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written by the prophets 
about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be turned over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. On the third day he will rise again. The disciples did not understand any of this. Its meaning was hidden from them, and they did not know what he was talking about. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When, re- when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and saw, said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he is gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. May I speak in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's really lovely to be here today and a big thank you to the Rector John and to Canon Ken for their invitation and their warm welcome as with those who we met on the way in. Um, My name is the Reverend Mark Reid. I'm chaplain to the Mission of Seafarers at Belfast Port. But we also cover as far north at the minute as Foyle and as far south as Warren Point. Can I just start with 
a few stories. And as we're in an, a sort of informal setting, um, they are jokes, and you can laugh if you wish. It's an encouragement if you do, actually. Um, and then there's seafaring jokes. Two fish swim side by side up a river. And when they swim, they smack straight into a concrete wall. One fish turns to the other and says, Damn. <laughs> I know that's a controversial one out of the road. The rest are okay. There was a boat and it was carrying red paint and it crashed into a boat carrying blue paint. And the crew were all marooned. I have pages and pages of these. <laughs> one last one. Um, and apologies for the um, attempt at an accent. There was a magician. And he was working on a cruise ship in the Caribbean. Lovely. And the audience would be different each week. So the magician allowed himself to do, do the same tricks over and over again. But there was only one problem. The captain's parrot saw the shows each week and began to understand how the magician did every trick. Once he understood, he started shouting in the middle of the show, Look, it's not the same hat. Look, he is hiding the flowers under the table. Why are all the cards the ace of spades? Well, the magician was furious. But he couldn't do anything. After all, it was the captain's parrot. One day the ship was in a mighty storm and it sank. And the magician found himself adrift on a piece of wood in the middle of the ocean with the parrot. They stared at each other with hate but didn't under a word. This went on for a day then another and another. And after a week, the parrot said, Okay, I give up. What did you do with the ship? <laughs> <clears throat> the Bible reading at the beginning of chapter, the last part of chapter 18 and chapter 19 in Luke's Gospel involves travelling. And seafarers by their very nature, do that a lot. In our story today, it involves a journey for Jesus and his disciples to Jericho. We all want to feel valued, don't we? And that our lives matter. And because of this, we look around and we compare ourselves to other people, don't we? And we tend to base our self-worth on four things. We judge our worth by our appearance. The better I look, the more I'm worth in someone else's eyes. Secondly, we, we judge ourselves by our achievements. If I'm successful, then hopefully I'll be accepted. Then we judge our worth on approval. If people like me, I must be doing okay. And finally, we base our worth on our affluence, the stuff that we've collected. 
But the problem with these four standards is that none of them remain constant. And by the way, none of them are important to God. For they all change. Our appearances change with the years. Others will soon surpass any records that we've ever set. What people think of us can change in the blink of an eye. And our wealth can change with one bad financial decision. You see, the trouble with letting things like these dictate our self-worth is that our self-worth will always be changing. And how do you think your self-worth will be when those things change negatively? But here's the good news. If you want to build your self-esteem in such a way as to make it last, you've got to build it on something that will never change. And that is what God thinks about you and me. You see, when we know what God thinks of us, it changes the way we see ourselves. And that starts changing our hearts to be Christ-like. A good example of this involves a man named Zacchaeus, who lived in the city of Jericho. And we read that one day Jesus traveled to Jericho, and Zacchaeus had a life-changing encounter with him. So if we look at verses 1 to 4, Zacchaeus was hoping to see Jesus. He was the man that everybody was talking about. And if there was ever a man who needed a sense of self-worth, it was Zacchaeus. Because in the four ways that we evaluate ourselves that I started with, he didn't score well in three. He was short. His only achievement was in cheating people for his own financial gain. No one liked him because he collected taxes from the Jews and gave them to the Romans. But on a positive note, he was wealthy. You see, to become a tax collector in his day, you firstly had to bribe an official. Secondly, Rome told you how much taxes to collect. And if you collected more, you kept the rest. And for a Jewish man to become a Roman tax collector was unthinkable. Your family disowned you, you couldn't worship in the synagogue, and you'd be looked upon like a murderer. Zacchaeus was miserable on the inside because you can't have a guilty conscience and feel good about yourself at the same time. Here's a man who has a lot of money, but he doesn't like himself. But a brief encounter with Jesus changes his life and outlook as he learned how much more he mattered to God. Perhaps you may be feeling a little down today. Well, coming to church is the right place to be because church and family is a place of hope. This is God's house, even this building 
we're in today? How do we know we can have hope even when things are going wrong? Because we know that we matter to God. And this story about Zacchaeus, for me, illustrates three truths. And if you remember these, hopefully never again will you have problems about how you feel about yourself. And the first thing is this. Jesus notices us. Zacchaeus was so short he couldn't see above the crowd, we read. So he did two things that no wealthy Middle Eastern man would ever do. He ran and he climbed a tree. You see, these were things that little boys might do in a crowd. Not a well-known man. That was shocking. But what Jesus did was even more shocking. We read in verse 5, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down, for I must be a guest in your home today. If Jesus knew Zacchaeus' name, won't he know yours and mine? So why did Jesus do that? He knew Zacchaeus's heart. Just like he knows your heart and my heart. You and I might be up a tree today or out on a limb. And you may think God has forgotten you. You may be angry about something or with someone. But there's never been a time when God has taken his eyes off you. He's seen every breath you've ever taken or recognized every thought you've ever had. And he's seen everything that you and I have done. God has always had his loving eyes on each of us because he loves us. We have a hard time imagining God paying that much attention to us because we don't pay much attention to him. But he's looking at us every second of every day. Perhaps you might feel that others think you're worthless, but you matter so much to God and his son that Jesus died for you and me. The deepest expression of love is attention. And when you give somebody your attention, you're giving them your love. And when you don't pay attention to someone, or even your children, you're being unloving. For God is always paying attention to us. When children do something and they want to be noticed, such as riding a bike with no hands, remember doing that, They'll always yell out, watch me, mommy, watch me, daddy. Adults do the very same thing, but we don't yell out. We're more subtle. Without using words and ways to get other people's attention and how we dress or how we arrive at an event, and that says, look at me. For our own mental well-being, let's stop depending on other people 
to feel worthy and start depending on God. The second truth I have for you this morning is that Jesus lifts us up. You see, all his life, Zacchaeus had been ridiculed and rejected. And we know that because the word used in Luke for short means a child's body that is not fully formed. And I bet he was teased about that. Just like I was teased in my primary school about the gap in my teeth and had big ears and all of those sorts of things that children love to pick up on. But Jesus looked up at Zacchaeus in front of this crowd and he calls him by name, which shocked everybody. Jesus knows the name of this scoundrel, the crowd must have thought. But in spite of Zacchaeus' sin, Jesus lifts him up when everybody else is putting him down. You see, you and I are not mass-produced by God our Father. By his own word, we are each masterpieces, uniquely made and made for good purposes, God's purposes. We read in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 16, where God says, See, I've written your name on my hand. And when Jesus looked at the scars in his hands, he sees our hands. There are people who have had some very bad things said or done to them over the years. They've been told that they're not worth very much. When this world trips us up, it's only Jesus who lifts us up. And finally, the third truth from our reading today. Jesus wants you. I think the hardest thing for us to understand is that no matter what we have ever done in our lives, God still wants a personal relationship with you and me because he loves us. People hated Zacchaeus because he was a cheat. So Jesus did something. He just didn't walk up to the tree and look up and notice him. He didn't just call him by name and affirm him in front of those who hated him. He invited himself to Zacchaeus' house for dinner. You see, the truth is we are a lot like Zacchaeus. We've all done things that have hurt others. But Jesus is far more interested in changing us than he is in condemning us. Jesus will neither lecture you or deny you. But the devil likes people to think that he will. So let's not condemn each other, but see the best in each other. The story goes that God and the devil were talking. And God told the devil that he was going to take some things away from him. He was going to take sickness and poverty and many other things. And the devil said, no problem. Then finally God said he was going to take away discouragement away from him. And the devil became unglued. You see, that's the best weapon that he has. He said that everything else fails. All he had to do was throw a little discouragement in front of us 
and we would lose our faith. And sadly, in most instances, that's the case. John 6, verse 37 says, Those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. God notices everything in our lives. His eyes of love are constantly watching over you and me. And he knows our value. No matter what anyone else around you is saying about you. He knows the truth. They don't. God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. He made you and he wants you even though Perhaps you've rejected him in the past. So how should we respond to that kind of God? Well, we see it in today's reading. Look what Zacchaeus did in verse 6. He quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house with great excitement and joy. What a God that offers us so much love and eternal happiness. And I think we should react in the same way with great excitement and joy. We read that Zacchaeus was changed instantly. If you've really met Jesus, your attitudes change. You become more generous. You stop thinking about yourself. You realize how much you've been given and you want to give back. Many of us forget that everything that we have comes from God and they want to hold on to everything that they have. But when Jesus touches them, they start thinking about what they can do to help others. We are made in God's image. And when we receive Jesus, we start changing to reflect that image. And it's an image of true love. So while I'm on the subject of worth and value, what do you consider the worth of a seafarer? Well, you've probably not thought about it ever. I know that that was the case with me before I saw the application pack for the chaplain to the mission to seafarers. And seeing that application pack educated me and opened my eyes. We've all been through the pandemic and that taught us some more important lessons on worth and value. For doctors and nurses, remember we clap for them at our doorsteps on Thursday evenings. Then for care workers, auxiliary staff and then delivery drivers. Do you remember clapping for and showing appreciation for seafarers? The 1.8 million men and women who bring 90 plus percent of what our lifestyles demand to our shores. Whose contract lengths, which were between three to six months or nine months in some cases, suddenly became as much as 13 to 15 months away from home and their families. I actually met somebody in port two weeks ago. And it was him that told me that he hadn't 
during the pandemic, being home for 15 months. Can you imagine being separated from loved ones and growing children or grandchildren for that length of time? Or when you arrived in a new port, being treated like a leper in case you were bringing the coronavirus with you? Or not being allowed to go ashore just to get a few necessities like a bar of soap or some shower gel or some shaving foam. These things on top of an already long list of occupational hazards that they face. Poor communications with home. It's a fact that only 25% of ships have decent Wi-Fi. The rest reply, uh, rely on the like of us and other services to provide um, mobile SIM cards for them. There's still piracy in the world. Blackbeard is not dead by any means. There's something called abandonment, where they're left at port in their own devices without any wages. Of course, there's loneliness, poor mental health, and poor pay. It was Vivek, one of our uh, very valued ship visitors who came to me one day and, uh, and to Paul, the, the centre manager, and he, he'd been talking to one of the, I think it was a th- third able seaman, and um, he was able to work out that that person was on something between two and three pounds an hour. They have to ride out ferocious seas So the next time you don't see bananas on the shelves in Tesco's or Marks and Spencer's, it's not the seafarer's fault. They're maybe fighting 40-foot waves or being terrorized as they go around the Bay of Biscay. I think we need to be thinking about and praying for and helping seafarers as they give up so much for us all. In fact, when I go on board ships um, in the port, I'll always try and thank them for what they do for us. Make them feel appreciated. We need to be more generous in giving what we have to those who are always in greater need. And that's a sign of a church connected to Christ. And I know that's the case here. We need to be thinking of giving up a little of our time to serve others. And the the new king's new message is about volunteering. Perhaps you might think of volunteering with us at the mission to seafarers. That would be really appreciated. Perhaps this morning is, is the start of a conversation between our charity and this church and neighboring churches that you could tell about us. And then hopefully others will recognize the worth of these men and women as we try our best to help bring the gospel to them as we minister to their physical and mental well-being. Jesus has given us a valuable lesson about worth this morning. We should value each other's company here in church, in our homes and in our families, and we should help greater with the society in which we live. Amen.
as we reflect on that message this morning. As a people of faith, we now stand and profess our belief. The Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, he suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again, in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, as those assembled here, we rejoice as members of your church whose foundation stone is Jesus Christ. We thank you for the leadership displayed by David, our bishop in this diocese, and by John, our rector in this parish. In seeking your blessing on the work of change and restoration taking place in the parish church, we thank you for the skills of craftsmen and others who are engaged in a variety of activities during these summer months. We also acknowledge the role of many people day by day and week by week in this parish. Continue to guide us with your Holy Spirit that we may work together in the days ahead as opportunities arise through the ministry of word, sacrament and prayer that we may promote your good news and bear witness to your love. Lord, in your mercy. Today, known uh, in some circles as Sea Sunday, we ask that you continue to bless the work of the mission to seafarers and of all who minister to seafarers and their families throughout the world. While aware of the service of the mission in many countries and ports, including Vancouver, where the senior chaplain is our son, Peter Smith. Locally, we pray for the mission in this city and for the Reverend Mark Reed, its chaplain. We thank you for the willing ways in which volunteers, including Jeff and Eleanor Launchbury and others here this morning, give of their time and their talents. May all who serve on the seas and oceans be helped and encouraged through loving care and service. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we pray for peace in our world and trust that the days ahead here in Northern Ireland may be marked by tolerance and acceptance of diversity. 
in areas of the world ravaged by violence, including the Ukraine. We pray that all victims will find hope, even when struggling with the effects of war and unrest. Lord, in your mercy. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for summer holidays and for all times of rest and recreation. Give refreshment of body and mind to parishioners and to all known to us, including the rector John and his family and the choral director organist Joe and his family, that they may return home and to their work with new strength and renewed vigour for what lies ahead. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, in whom we by faith trust you in every hour of need, comfort those who are faced with apprehension, uncertainty or distress because of medical information received or sickness. Enlighten the minds of those who are your agents of help and healing in hospitals and in places of care in the community. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we pray for all approaching the end of their earthly lives and also for those who have suffered the pain of bereavement. Support and deepen the faith of the sorrowful with the assurance of your goodness and love. Lord, in your mercy. Merciful Father, accept these our prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Please stand. Christ is our peace. He has reconciled us to God in one body by the cross. We meet in his name and share his peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you. And also with you. The Offertory Hymn, number 576.
the greatness, the power, and the glory, and the victory, and the majesty. For all things come from you, and of your own we give you. Amen. Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed for us. The Lord is here. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Father Almighty and ever living God, at all times and in all places, it is right to give you thanks and praise. And so, with all your people, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name forever, praising you and saying, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed are you, Father, the creator and sustainer of all things. You made us in your own image, male and female, you created us. Even when we turned away from you, you never ceased to care for us. But in your love and mercy, you freed us from the slavery of sin, giving your only begotten Son to become man and suffer death on the cross to redeem us. He made there the one complete and all-sufficient sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. He instituted and in his holy gospel commanded us to continue a perpetual memory of his precious death until he comes again. On the night that he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks to you, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Therefore, Father, with this bread and this cup we do as Christ your Son commanded. We remember his passion and death, we celebrate his resurrection and ascension, and we look for the coming of his kingdom. Accept through him our great high priest. This our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, and as we eat, drink these holy gifts, grant by the power of the life-giving Spirit that we may be made one in your holy church and partakers of the body and blood of your Son, that he may dwell in us and we in him. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, by whom and with whom and in whom in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory are yours, almighty Father, forever and ever. Amen. As our Savior Christ has taught us, so we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. The bread which we break is a sharing in the body of Christ. 
we being many are one body, for we all share in the one bread. The gifts of God for the people of God. There will be two distribution points this morning, one here and one at the far end of the hall over there. All who feel that they wish to receive the sacrament, certainly all Christian people of any tradition, you're very welcome to do so.
Let us pray. <clears throat> Holy and blessed God, as you give us the body and blood of your Son, guide us with your Holy Spirit, that we may honor you not only with our lips, but also with our lives. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the spiritual food of the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. A few moments' peace and quietness we bring before God any known to us for whom our prayers are desired. We pray for Gerald this morning, known to the choir in particular. Trust that all will be well this week with him. We pray for Peter, for Rose, and for all who are going through challenging moments in life. And so may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit remain with you now and always. Amen. Amen. What is known to many as the Boys' Brigade hymn Will your anchor hold appropriate on a morning like this?
and peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ. Amen. Our time is not concluded because there will now be coffee and tea kindly provided by um, Eleanor and Jeff Launchbury. An opportunity for you to have a chat with Mark amongst others. And if you can stay for even five minutes, I hope you'll do so. Mark, I'm sorry that my colleague isn't here this morning, Walter Laverty, because he has a great store of jokes. I keep, couldn't keep up with him. Barbara, I'm sure you'll pass one or two of them on to him whenever you go home. And one other thing this morning, I have been informed that it's a birthday of someone today. Um, let's put it this way, delicately. There are more than four score years, and maybe ten, and I'm referring to the much-loved Richard Clark. Let's give him... <laughs> Brian and choir, could you give us a lead? And we'll sing this informal part. Happy birthday. Sorry, Richard, but we can't let this point go. Happy Those who can stay, it is time for coffee or tea. But whatever you're doing today, have a good day and go from here in peace. Amen. <laughs>